Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Here on The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founder and have sustained impact not only over time, but also over space. And we have these conversations with genuine authenticity, curiosity and vulnerability. This week, I there's no guest. <laughs> I'm your guest and I promised on the last solo episode, episode, I believe that was episode 137, where I spoke about three mistakes that are holding you back in your siblings partnership. I'd recommend you listen to that if you're grappling with how do you make shared decision making as siblings? How do you start communicating, collaborating? How do you gain clarity? I'd recommend you listen to that. But after this episode, um, so at the tail end of that episode, I promised that I'd do an episode on a quick and easy way to plan your first family meeting. And that's where we are. But um, a bit of an update. You know what? I'm thoroughly confused that November is like next week. <laughs> like I'm deep in thought, like where has 2022 gone? And it's giving me mixed feelings, quite frankly, of both like gratitude for 2022, which has been a a really good year, but also a little bit of, I must say, like overwhelm and anxiety, like all the things I had on my list to do for the year. How am I going to get them done before the year runs out? Obviously taking into account like the slowdown for Thanksgiving break and Christmas break. And and just before I got on this, I was trying to coach myself. I think it's a really useful tool, um, a skill set to coach oneself. And Whenever I get stuck in situations like that, I reflect like, what would my mentor say? And there's something that my mentor always says that um, for us to perform effectively and optimally, we have to have constraints. And that's really counterintuitive because one would think that like when we have all the money in the world or when we have all the time in the world or we have all the energy in the world, that's when we get the most things done. Actually, it's not because constraints, they make us focus. They make us prioritise what truly matters, what really moves the needle. And I'm a bit pensive as to how can I really focus on what really matters in the next eight weeks, right? (laughs) So hopefully that's helpful for you if you're also going through kind of like a similar headspace, mind space to deal with these feelings and emotions. Like I said this week, I wanted to hop on and share some thoughts on planning family meetings. And before I get into like the mechanics on like what you should do, what you shouldn't do, I just wanted to share a little bit on why they matter. And I feel like a lot of people in the family wealth space just don't realize how much the non-quantitative elements matter in pushing the needle with respect to your legacy journey. So some data, according to the Williams Group, 70% of families will lose control of assets and their family unity by the third generation. And this is US-centric data. And I know from anecdotal data that we have on the continent in Africa, that number, unfortunately, is going to be way lower. But essentially, going by this data, um, if 70% lose control and they lose their family unity, that means that only 30% retain 
retain control of assets and have harmony by the third generation post this initial wealth transfer from generation one to generation two. And let's take a step back for a minute. Why do you think folks may fail to transition their wealth and business to the next generation? And to help with definitions, because like, what is failure, right? It's like, how how long is a piece of thread, right? Um, failure is defined as we have depletion of net worth. So we see that the financial security disappears. Intangible assets neglected. So there's no legacy of knowledge, wisdom, intelligence. The family unit is fractured. So we see conflict, we have legal battles, there's no harmony, right? So whenever I do speaking engagements, keynotes and things, I often ask this question to my audience and I'm like, why do you think folks feel to transition their wealth and business to the next generation? And most people will come back with answers like, oh, because they didn't diversify or there wasn't enough financial planning and there wasn't enough tax planning and wealth planning, the ra ra But the reality is very far from that. So the Williams group, the same folks with this data on the 70%, they did a study and found that 60% of unsuccessful wealth transfers were as a result of lack of trust and communication amongst family members. 20% of failed wealth transfers were due to unprepared and disengaged next generation members. 15% of unprepared families had no wealth mission. But less than 5% of these failed wealth transfers were due to financial planning, estate planning and tax planning. Isn't that mind-blowing? Like, So over 95% of these failures can be attributed to the relational elements as opposed to the technical elements. 95% can be attributed to the qualitative, not the quantitative. And 95% can be attributed to the intangible and not the tangible. Yeah, I can take a bet. I can hazard a bet. Guess that most conversations around your business, your wealth, your legacy are probably not centered around the relational, right? It's often inverted. What I tend to see is that 95% of families' time, energy, investments, effort is focused on the quantitative, not the qualitative. It's focused on the technical not the relational it's focused on the tangible and not the intangible and there's no blame here like there's no, it's, it's no fault of yours there's no shame and it's really because the industry is geared towards that there's very little awareness conversation about the importance of the relational how you can start to invest in the relational particularly with respect to how can you develop trust and communication in your family, given that it's the largest contributor to these failed wealth transfers. So some questions to reflect on based on what we've just kind of digested. So how can you start to build trust and communication in your family? How can you not only prepare the wealth for your family, but also prepare your family for the wealth? And how can you start to define your wealth mission. So the secret source. I have this theory and I talk about it in my book, Lifetime to Legacy, that I believe that the financial success of families is like the aroma of a great meal, right? 
But the aroma just doesn't come like by osmosis, right? To generate it, there's like an input process to get the aroma, which is the output, right? So you need the right recipe. But oftentimes, families focus on the output, the aroma, and not the recipe, the input. Meanwhile, the legacy I believe families should be focusing on passing is the very recipe, not just the aroma. And what is this recipe? It's the ingredients used, it's the special mixes of the ingredients to generate their secret sauce. And what are these ingredients? Family capital and family values. And like I said, there's this overemphasis on financial capital, whilst in reality, family capital is made up of way more than just financial capital. And there's also an overemphasis on the founder's capital. Meanwhile, the family capital comprises of, guess what, all the family members' capital, right? All their resources. So is there an opportunity in your family to engage all family members to optimise on your family capital? Is there an opportunity to widen the conversation beyond financial capital to also include qualitative capital. And I'll share a little bit about the other sources of family capital. So we've got financial capital, which we know assets, income from business and investments. There's spiritual capital, and this has nothing to do with religion. (laughs) Um, Spiritual just speaks to like, what is our shared mission? What's our shared vision, our values? And what's the purpose of our wealth? The human capital speaks to What are the skills, the competence and the character of the family members to manage said wealth? The structural capital speaks to the governance structures required to manage the family wealth, including like constitutions, councils, committees, boards, things like that. Social capital speaks to ability to use social networks and relationships. And this concept of this poly capital was pioneered by Jay Hughes, the author of Family Wealth. And he says that most families focus their efforts, attention and communications on their financial capital. Their human capital, which is itself the foundation of their intellectual, their social, their spiritual capitals, largely goes neglected. And yet if we know anything in the field of family wealth, we know that the neglect of human capital is the ultimate cause of the dissipation of financial capital and the dissolution of families. Conversely, the cultivation of human capital strengthens family bonds, supports the preservation and growth of financial capital, not to mention intellectual, social and spiritual capital. So based on everything that you've been hearing, it's clear we need to focus on what are our shared family values How can we pass on and nurture the foundational human capital in the family? What is the platform to collectively identify these and transmit the entire poly capital to the next generation? And all of the above, like this entire TED talk I've been saying for like however minutes I've been talking for, is precisely why family meetings are absolutely critical. Because family meetings help with engaging the family to create a shared vision It strengthens the family unity by increasing meaningful communication and engaging multiple generations and promoting interdependency. So TED talk over. I can drink some water. (laughs) What are the practical steps to take in planning a family meeting? And when you think about this, I want you to think in terms of 
five questions. I want you to think who, what, when, where, how. The first question, who? So who in the family will actually take the lead in moving it towards greater connection? And to define this connection, it literally is the combination of clarity, communication and collaboration in the family. And taking the lead does not necessarily mean being fully responsible because I believe it's the family's collective responsibilities to connect, but it does mean being a catalyst for change. And taking the lead doesn't mean being having the most authority, so to speak. It just means coordinating the family to move successfully along the change journey and communicating with the entire family on like logistics and things like that. So who can this person be, you may ask? It can be a family member with formal authority, like the leading gen, or it can not be like the next gen. It may be a non-family member, like a third-party facilitator, a trusted advisor, non, like an attorney, world planner. It doesn't matter the person's age or expertise. What is key is that this person is someone that everyone trusts, every family member trusts, has emotional intelligence, and is highly committed. Second question is what? So when by what I mean, under what conditions do we need and what do we need to be thinking about, planning for, talking about, etc. And I think that connection only happens under the right conditions. And when we want connections, we don't just want connections horizontally, like across different generations. We also want them vertically. And by that, I mean within different generations. I think I've just gotten horizontal and, and vertical the wrong way around. <laughs> but you get me, right? So we want both upward connections and across connections. And there also needs to be room for both like bonding and conversation. And it's important that we have fun together as a family. So it's key that we plan family meetings where there's like agreed agenda items and there's bonding exercises somewhere comfortable for the entire family, for example, on a retreat, right? And a great exercise you can do um, as a family is where each individual does a lifetime exercise, which is so good at getting to know each other and developing bonds and so, so on and so forth. And I share more on the life lifeline exercise in my book, Lifetime to Legacy in chapter 21. So if you don't have a copy, you need to get one <laughs> on Amazon. Check out the show notes. The link is there. And if you do have a copy, go straight to chapter 21. Just a few pages in, you'll see the lifeline exercise. It's also important when we're thinking about the what to decide on what are the goals of each family meeting. And these may depend, right? Um, a few to, to consider. It may be to improve communication. It may be an educational meeting. It may be a meeting where we need to take decisions. It may be a meeting where we just want to connect. It may be a meeting to develop the leadership, right? And something to note is that these meetings may change, right? So initially, a first family meeting, for instance, it may involve a lot of communication, like getting the family members that don't work in the business up to speed on the ongoings of the family enterprise or the founder sharing like the origin story, um, the vision, the mission, so on and so forth for the business. Whereas over time, subsequent meetings may then like involve more decision making, more education, more leadership development and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, something to consider. 
The third question is, when should we do this? So I say that connection doesn't happen by chance or by osmosis. It really takes intention. And it's important to, from the outset, set the cadence for the family meetings ahead of time and commit to it. So you choose the frequency of these meetings. Will these be held quarterly, biannually or annually? And pre-agree these and have them in the calendar. Fourth question, where? Where should we do this? I think a location that's ideally somewhere neutral, that doesn't evoke negativity for any family member. An environment where there's no distractions. um, An environment where each family member has both the time and mental bandwidth and emotional space to be fully present. An environment where folks can really unwind, relax and re-envision. And I find that being away from home like a retreat on vacation is perfect. Some prefer virtual. You can actually have a very effective virtual meeting so long as a facilitator is well trained in how to conduct effective virtual meetings, right? How to ensure that people contribute, how to ensure that people aren't distracted, aren't on their phones, aren't on like 30 million tabs, checking emails and things like that. But virtual can be a very good avenue for that. How should we do this? I would say you want to, it depends, right? So for some families, you may want to consider a third party facilitator to run your family and plan your meetings. Someone that's a trained expert in family enterprises who can work with this change catalyst, right? The benefit of having someone that's an outsider um, is just more objectivity. They won't have any partiality towards any given family member, any given system. And so all the family members may feel like they have a fair opportunity of having a voice. And this improves both inclusivity and productivity. So it's something to think about. And so I would say have an action plan based on the five questions. Identify one family member who will keep everyone accountable to the plan. I mean, the investment of time, energy that goes into planning and holding family meetings, it has huge gains. Like If done properly and effectively, each generation is able to have a voice. The family is able to identify their share core values and their culture, like their secret source. The unity of the family is strengthened as a result of meaningful communication and transparency. And the family can have a clear shared vision for the future. And all of these really contribute towards minimising conflict, having alignment and attaining goals. Awesome. So our next solo conversation, I will be talking about an area that I'm frequently asked about, and that is conflict in the family enterprise. How do you deal with that? (laughs) So, yeah, we'll be unpacking that a little bit. Um, So you want to look forward to look out for that episode. As always, guys, thank you so much. Please follow um, this podcast, um, just click on follow or subscribe, depending on the platform that you're using, leave a review. Um, it helps to boost that algorithm. So the podcast is more discoverable and share this episode or share the podcast with a friend that is keen on learning how to build legacy businesses and wealth. And lastly, pick up a copy of lifetime to legacy available now on Amazon. The link is in the show notes. As always, folks, thank you so much. Take good care and God bless.